0: story from the Bible When I was just a girl About a broken hearted woman Who met the Savior of the world Thought it was just another story one that the preacher man would read. But as I'm sitting here at home, drinking red wine all alone, I think that woman might be me. Cause Guess maybe that's why grace is so amazing. Staring at that empty box, I swear I caught a glimpse of him. He meant me. You want me as I am and that sounds crazy. I guess maybe that's why grace is so amazing. It's no longer just a story when I read it. Cause I've seen him for myself and I believe just like that story from the Bible. I heard when I was just a girl. I'm the broken hearted woman who met the Savior of.
1: Morning, good morning, everybody. Can you guys hear me good? Yeah. Um, Andy asked me to um, share a little bit of my story. how do I become to know the Lord but he, he only gave me five minutes <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you don't understand, you can always to talk to me later um I grew up in a really poor village, a really small village. Since I grew up, all I know is um, get up, go to work, and eat, and sleep. That's all I know. And I don't get to go to school much. I only go second grade, elementary. So and I grew up in a really, really family my father since I was two I know enough I saw my mom got beat up by him every day. the first time I saw that the first time in my life I saw my mom got kicked fell down on the ground and rolled back and forth and the whole village come and watch for fun and nobody helped So, I grew up with those kinds of situations. It's really hard. And I feel like life is no fun, no hope, no joy, no peace. And that's good news when I was eight. My father got caught and go to jail for eight years. So we have really wonderful time at eight years. It's really poor, but we don't have to worry anything. So we have good time. A lot of time we don't have food to eat. I remember sometimes we have one day a meal. It's really good, continue to have that. I remember just one time, the three long days, nothing to eat. But we have good time. We feel peace, we feel safe. We don't have to worry about anything. And then when I was 16, he come back. I was eight when he go to jail. When he's 16, I would come back. And he come back the second day. The same story happened and I have four siblings, my older sister and me and my younger sister and my brother. We got beat up for no reasons. Just whatever when he's wanted, he wanted, just, we just got hit. So at that time, I was 16. I feel like, uh, you know, I look at my mom's marriage. I say, if marriage like that, why do I want to marry? And husband And wife, you know, when the wife, she husband home would be really joyful and happy and fun and like that. But the opposite in my family is when my father comes home, when we hear the voice, we all like the rat and run away the high and and like that. So one day I go to work. I stand and nail and I look at the sky. I say, the world is so big. Why I am me? Why I am in this family, there's so many people. Why I'm the one really, really bad, and a bad sort of reason, If I was someone else, it would be much better than right now, like me, and like that. So I keep staring at the sky. I say, who could help me? Who could help me get out of this sort of reason. So every day, we're facing the battle. And then I'm thinking, I say, all right, this is the time to decide which way I'm gonna go. I say either get ready of myself or either should leave this place. And then I don't have place to go, you know. And then keep facing that again and again. There's few times I try to kill myself. I really feel like life, there's no hope. No joy, no peace, no fun at all. So this is really meaningless. All I have is to feel scary, and it's just nothing good. So one day, I said, this is the time to, to make a decision. Either leave or get rid of myself. So I stand in a position and look down. I say, it's now. If I don't leave, I just jump down, then it the would end of my life. That would be done. No more scary or anything. And then I stop and think, I'm still so young. It's early 20. If I die now, I would missing a lot of things. So I decided to leave. So I pack, take a couple clothes, 10 clothes and leave where I am and go to the city and looking for a job. And because I don't have education, all I can do is wash dishes for the restaurant. And then job changing to job. And and later on, the last job I have, i be there a month later. And then I met someone very special, and he come and talked to me. And then the thing he talked to me, Makes me really disappointed. What he talked to me is, he say, "Oh, there's a God, this and that." And I, and I, my heart, I was thinking, "Oh, shut up!" Because in China, do I shut up God? Do I need have a God from your country and bring to me? So first thing I thought, he must be really crazy or high fever. Oh mentally problem. <laughs> but at the same time, the first time I met him, he was sitting down. I look at him and like that. I don't know why at that time when my eyes see his eyes and then and here it says, That's it, that's him. Nobody else, it's him. You can trust in him and and give your life to him to rely on him. I was thinking, where where is that voice come from? How I didn't know him or anything. But I feel really peace when he's standing there. And so after that, and I met him again, as long as he's standing next to me, I feel really peace. It's just, I never had those peace before. And before I know him, there's a bunch of them come from the same country. There's half male and female, the 13 of them. But those, the bunch of them to me, they look like just criminals. They talk bad words and they're raising up their fingers and drinking and smoking. And But this is really different. This guy. So one time he come to me. He said, was it like a watch movie? And then at that time, my mind, I have different thoughts. Oh, maybe good things coming. You know, good thing is I mean, is it, and my heart, I I don't know how to say it's. I really like him so much. I really, he's gonna be my best half from forever. Uh, secretly, I think like that. So I say, hey, maybe good things coming. So at that time, I think it doesn't matter what movie, it, even if it's a really bad movie, I wanna go, just wanna be next to him. So I say, yes. So he take me to the movie, On the way, I was so curious. I said, this is not a theater way. I know the theater. Where is he going to take me? And then soon, he get to a friend's house. And then the friends, soon we get there, because I work in the restaurant, we get up, uh, we get off late. We get off work late after 9 o'clock p.m. So we soon get there, they go to bed. And then I say, huh, what, why they go to bed right now? say, it's late. He said, it's late. They need to go to bed. And then, I say, but we're still here. And the, the door's not locked. And then he say, don't worry. So soon, he put the movie on. And then the movie tells you, say, in the beginning, says, um, 2,000 years ago, someone died and come back life again. I say, oh, no, 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 no. <coughs> <coughs> I'm sorry. I said that's a really old movie. It's not good. Take it out and change another one. And then he says, and then he said nothing. He paid attention. He paid no attention to me. I was so amb- embarrassed. I quiet and sit down and watch. Until I watched uh, Mary and Joe, I mean, um, the angels talk to Mary, say, You are going to have a son. And, and this and that. And in that moment, the whole movie sucks me in. I feel like, a, wow. So I say nothing. I finish the movie. And the first thing I said to him, when the movie finished, I said, when I have time, can I come back again? And then he said, yes. So soon, I said, hey, tonight I have time again. Can I go back to watch that movie? He said, yes. And then I said, can I take someone else to go with me? Because I want to watch again. I think someone will with me just because um, if I don't remember, someone can help me remember, tell me more details. And then he said, yes. So, and then, when the movie tells the end, they will tell you about if you want him, you stay where you are and 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 repeat what we said. so I did again, and then I tell my friend, be careful, this is really important for the whole movie, So we did again, so after that, after I do that, and then later on, i one day and he come met me, I go with him in the in, in the town to get something on the way, walk there i I I'll suddenly I feel like a from top to bottom. It was summertime and landing is really hot and humid. But at that time I feel like a from top to bottom, really cool, like you also hot outside, you get into the air conditioning, just like that. And then at the same time, in my mind, it says, Wow, life is so good, so peaceful, so joyful, and so wonderful. I say, how come I don't have that before? Why I have right now and then and he'll tell me, Oh, it's the God I know right now. Must be the God give to me, the one I just know. And then from now say it again. This says again, from now on, I will never ever go away from him. Any so I don't understand why I heal this and why we start from Actually, at that time, I just know him. I don't know him much, you know. I don't know. But that happens, and because of the time, and to be continued, you have to ask Andy to make more time. <laughs> then I'll tell you my love story, and then that's how I become to know the Lord from there. So thank you. <laughs> I'm not nervous? I'm just exciting. And there's a scripture I would like to share with you. It's John 4, uh, 39 to 42. And he asked me to read in my native language. I got many of them. He said I can choose one, so I'll choose one. If you have a mother, you can't read it. You can't read it. You can't read it. You can't 路, Mali,
2: All right. Well, good morning. I hope you are encouraged. I hope if you have never had the opportunity to talk to Indigo, you take that opportunity because the energy that she had up here, the excitement, the joy for the Lord, that is who she is. And so, uh, Indigo, thank you so much for sharing. Sorry I cut you short. Um, We will let you continue on and share another time. But like she said, she is an open book. Find her, talk to her if you would love to, because she she just has that passion for God that she wants to share. And uh, that's the series that we're going through. Uh, Last week, we got to hear from JD. This week, we got to hear from Indigo. And we're just looking at stories in the Bible where people are um, connected to Jesus and then they go and they share that just like Indigo did. She was living one way, she had these thoughts, and then she encountered Jesus, and it shifted her course, and now she just wants to share who Jesus is through sharing her story with people. And so we're going to be in John chapter 4. I hope you understood what she said when she was reading it. Um, If not, we'll reread it in English real quick as well. Uh, I don't know, what language was that, indigo? That was was Zhuang. I knew that. But I didn't know if other people knew that. So um, John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. So again, we're gonna jump back to the beginning of this story. Why are we at the spot that we're at? Why did this woman go and say, he told me everything about myself? I wanna open with a question real quick. Have you ever had that moment that you're like, oh, I hope that never gets out. That, that, that moment in your life, it was explained to me this one time, uh, and I don't think it's true, but it was said that when we all get to heaven, there is going to be a projector screen with all the saints lined up behind, and my life is going to be played on that screen. And I thought, oh, please, God, no, not that moment. You have those moments? Where you are like, oh, like you're praying here, please God, not that moment. And I wish there was not an S attached to the end of it, but sadly it is moments, plural, an abundant amount of them. And so that's what we're looking at this morning where this woman has those moments where we we in life say, please never let anybody know about that because the moment that they know about that They'll leave me. The moment they hear about that, I'll be kicked out of the church. I'll be kicked out of my family. I will be viewed not as a Christian anymore if they really knew who I was. And so I can never let that moment be brought up. And so what is it that Jesus is encountering here with this woman? And so we we get to see that. We're going to be in uh, John chapter 4. We're going to jump to the beginning of John chapter 4 in verse 1. Where it talks about Jesus, he learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And so there's multiple things in this story that we have to understand about the culture at this time, because if we don't grasp them, then it's, we we cannot take that story and transplant it to 2022 and think, yeah, that's totally normal. Because the thing is here is that Jesus is passing through Samaria. It's the middle of the day. There's this woman at a well and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her and says, give me something to drink. So let's unpack all of that real quick. First thing is, he is encountering a woman, a Samaritan woman. So not only is she a woman who at this time culturally is like half citizen, is not really, they're not even, they are people, but they're viewed more as property, as possessions. That the man is the head of the house, and if the woman crossed him, she could be killed. That, that there were penalties and punishments that came upon women that the husband could enforce upon the women. That's why when Peter in First Peter talks about husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and live with her. That's a big thing. And he says, treat her as the weaker vessel. Don't dominate over her, love her. And Peter spent six verses before that addressing women. A huge thing at that time. And so he is talking to a woman, but not only a woman, he is speaking to a Samaritan woman. So in Second Kings chapter 17, we see where the king of Assyria overcomes Israel. He conquers Israel. And so then uh, we kind of see people starting to be exiled. But as they're being exiled, we see foreigners coming in and being moved in. And one of the commands that is given to the Jews in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1 through 4, it says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you're entering, the land of Canaan, which became Israel, he will clear away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergeshites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. He says, you shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them. Giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you. That's what the Samaritans were viewed as. That here they're not fully Jew, but they're not Gentile. They are that remnant that remained of when the Assyrians came in, they intermarried. And so here the Jews are seeing this as God commands us, do not marry them. And you Samaritans are such sinful people. You married them. You broke the commandment of God. And so they were despised by the Jews. We see in John chapter 4 verse 20 where the Samaritans even say, you worship God in the temple, but we worship God here on this mountain which is right. So they had an entirely different view of worship. Again, something that the Jews held so sacred to. Worshiping God is in the temple and the Samaritans are like, nah, we're gonna worship over here. And so the Jews despised the Samaritans so much so that John, the the author of this, tells us in verse nine, when Jesus strikes up a conversation with the woman, she says, how is it that you ask me, That you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And then he throws this in. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So like strike number one against this woman, she's a Samaritan. Right away, despised by Jews. Strike number two going against her is she's a woman. Not only is she a Samaritan, she is a Samaritan woman. According to the Jewish oral history, which is called the Mishnah, where they pass it down one after another, their history book. According to the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, the book of Nadah, chapter 4, verse 1, they say this about Samaritan women. Samaritan women are deemed menstruants from their cradle. So they are saying that from the birth, they are filthy people that they are unclean. And so as a Jew who is seeking to be ceremonially clean all the time, the Samaritan woman is unclean all the time. And so if a Jew would touch her, he would be unclean and would have to go through the ritual of cleansing himself. So strike one, she's Samaritan. Strike two, she's a Samaritan woman. And strike three, we get to see the current state of her life In verse 16, Jesus says to her, after having a conversation with her about the water and him being the source of living water, he says, go call your husband and come here. So the woman says to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and actually the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And so this woman, she has had five unsuccessful marriages. And I don't even, this is this is my speculation into it. I don't think that it's died or that they all have died. I think she has unsuccessfully had five marriages. And right now she is living in a state of adultery. She is living with a man that she is not married to. And so we see that where this woman falls on a hierarchical scale, is like there is like the Pharisees, the rabbis, there's the Jews, then you have Samaritans, and then like all the way at the bottom, you have this woman. That if you would see her, she would be known as that woman of the town. There she goes. Avoid her. Don't communicate with her. She should be outcast completely. That's her current state. But we get to see the heart of Jesus The heart of Jesus is in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The heart of Jesus is in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, where he says those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. We get to see the heart of Jesus and we get to see the mission of Jesus. This is the mission of Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. He helps us when we are helpless. When we are totally, 100% unable to help ourselves, that's when Jesus helps us. That's his heart. To help those who cannot help themselves. Because notice what it said in John chapter 4, verse 4. It's really easy to breeze over this one, three-letter word really fast. It says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus is on a mission here. He knows that there is this people group in Samaria that actually, according to tradition, Jews would go out of their way. So you have Israel, which is this long, skinny country. And then you have the Jordan River on the east side of Israel. And you have Samaria in the middle. And so to go from Judea to Galilee, you would either have to pass through Samaria or go 20 miles to the east, go up and then 20 miles to the west. You would go 40 miles out of your way to avoid Samaria. And that's what Jews did because they're unclean, because they are sinners, because they are the lowest of the low. But Jesus says, actually, I have to go through Samaria. I have an appointment that I have to meet. I am going to pass through because at the middle of the day, there's gonna be this woman who's a total outcast, who the world is gonna say, we have absolutely no use for you. But I'm going to say, I have a mission for you. And through you, the lowest of the low, I'm gonna redeem. And you're gonna go and you're gonna share your story. Because it's not like Jesus got there and was like, Whoo, I'm parched, you know, can you give me something to drink? And she's like, why are you a Jew talking to me, a woman of Samaria? And he's like, oh, wait, that's who you are? I had no idea who I was talking to. I'll go to the next well. Jesus knew exactly who he was talking to. He knew exactly the state of her condition. Because when he tells her, go, call your husband, and she's like, actually, sir, I don't have a husband. He's like, I know. And I know not only do you not have a husband, I know you've had five in the past. And I know that they've all been unsuccessful. And I know that you actually are living in a constant state of adultery right now. I know your condition, but I came for you. I came to give you the source of living water. And I also wanna point out one thing here too about the heart of Jesus. Notice he says, give me a drink. What would that have required? That would have required for this woman to draw from the water, holding the ladle, and pass it over to Jesus. A woman who is considered ceremonially unclean. A woman who people have avoided. She's coming in the dead of day. The sixth hour is about noon. Hot and she's coming here day after day after day. And when he says, I am the source of living water, she says, sir, can you tell me how I get this water so that I don't have to constantly come back here? And he says, give me a drink. And according to Leviticus chapter 15, remember the Mishnah said that they are constantly in a state of discharge. Leviticus 15 says when a woman is in a state of discharge and the discharge is in her body is blood, she shall be in her menstrual impurity for seven days. And whoever touches her is unclean and will be unclean until they pure themselves in the evening, until evening comes. And so here Jesus sees who she is. He knows that she has considered this. And he says, can I have a drink from that? We're going to touch. We're going to make contact. Everything society has told you about yourself, I want that. And I want to redeem it. And I want to give you a purpose, give you a mission. He doesn't come with condemnation. He comes to point out her sin. He doesn't hold back punches like, oh, I didn't know you aren't married. He actually says, I know your state. I know the sin that you are living in, but I have a mission for you. But I'm not done with you. Even when she deflects, Jesus still gives her grace. In verse 19, it said that the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet because he called her on her husband's situations. And so, yeah, when we get called on our sin, it's like, okay, let's deflect, let's swerve, let's avoid that topic altogether. She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And so he says, she says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when, the, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. It is present for you at this moment, you in your sinful state. It is here for you to worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And so Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. I mean, Jesus has a perfect out right here if he's realized too much about this woman now where he's like, actually, I didn't come for you. He could be like, yeah, he, yeah, you're right. He'll come and then he'll call you. But instead, Jesus says, no, you're why I came. Remember, I had to pass through Samaria. I came to talk to you, to have this encounter with you, to say, I'm the Messiah, Salvation has come to all. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came to call not the righteous, but sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick. That's why Jesus is on this mission. And then look at the response of the woman. That Jesus has come and pronounced salvation to her. And she, in verse 28... We're told she left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Jesus approached her at her level. He told her all about her sin. He gave her grace and she responds to it. And she's like, Man, there wasn't condemnation, there wasn't hatred. There was love, there was forgiveness, there was mercy, and there was grace. And so she goes and shares this encounter. She shares it with the the village and says, come and see this man who he told me everything. He knew my deep, dark secrets, and he loved me. So that was 2,000 years ago, roughly. Now let's come back to where we are here and now. Jesus called you, not in your greatness, not when you had it all together, not when you were righteous on your own standing, not when you were healthy. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came for you when you were in that moment. When Jesus looked down and saw that, oh, I hope nobody ever finds out about this. And yet Jesus says, I saw that and I love you, and I care about you, and I choose you, and I'm going to give my life for you for that very moment, to redeem that moment, so that we don't walk around saying, I have never had a problem in my life, but instead we say, this is my story. I was living in sin. I was addicted to this. I was a slave to sin. As Paul tells us, that we were following the passions of our flesh. We were carrying out the desires of this world. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were giving in to the passions of our body and our mind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's our story. That is every single person here's story. Well, I've never really struggled with any of that. You are still dead. You are still deserving of death. As Dave shared with us, all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. And the wages of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus knows our thoughts, he knows our actions, he knows our attitudes, he knows those things that we hope. Never let that be displayed, never let a single person know about that. And yet he says, I came to redeem that so that we can shine light in the darkness and we can say that God pulled me out of darkness and called me into his marvelous light. First Peter 2 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Romans 5 tells us that at the right time Christ died for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's like there's those things where it's like, man, if y'all knew what I thought and knew of the things that I did, you wouldn't let me be up here. And it's like, man, if we knew the things that you thought and the things you did, we wouldn't let you in this building. If we're all high and mighty and righteous, but we're not. And what Paul tells us is that when there's those people that it's like, actually, I I know what he did. I'm not about to give my life for him. There's no way because he's not a good person. It says, but God, because of the love that he has for us, while we were still sinners, when nobody else is willing to give their life for us, Christ gave his life for us so that we could live for him, so that we could proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so Peter, he tells us the reason that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light, to give God the glory through it all. You see, when you grasp the depth of the sacrifice that Christ made for you, and the result of that sacrifice, then you want to share that. When you realize, I was hopeless. Like literally, I did not stand a chance of having any hope beyond this world on my own. But God, in His love, because of His great love for us, gave His Son for me. Why would we not share that? Unless we think, well, I played a role in that. So I don't need to give God that much credit. So therefore, I don't need to share it. I hope you came prepared for a pop quiz this morning. We're gonna do one. I wanna know if you passed this because I failed miserably. So quick test. We'll, we'll go lifetime. I think we could even narrow it down to this week, but we'll go lifetime. Have you ever loved something more than God? Have you ever set an alarm and said, God, I'm waking up in the morning to spend time with you. And then that alarm goes off and you hit snooze for about 30 more minutes and then you're out of time. I'd say you love sleep more than spending time with God. And that's a small trivial thing. There are so much bigger things, money, possessions, fame, nobody's famous, but uh, you know uh, people's perspective of us. When we love that stuff and care about that stuff more than God, that's idolatry. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever said, you know what, I know that I'm supposed to take a break, but I'm just going to fill my calendar and I'm going to keep doing things and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to find rest in Christ. I'm going to busy myself as much as I can. That's not honoring the Sabbath because we're told Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and we are to find our rest in Him. Again, We're failing to keep the tin. Have you ever stolen something? And and trivial, little pin, thou shalt not steal. All the way up to something bigger. Have you ever committed adultery? No, I'm faithful. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, women, if you look at a man with lust in your heart, you are guilty of adultery. So we fail in that one. Have you ever murdered? Murdered? Well, again, no, I've never done that. Jesus tells us again in Matthew 5, if you look at your brother and say, if you are angry with your brother in your heart, that is the same as committing murder in the eyes of God. So we're guilty of that one. Somebody cuts you off in road. You think, man, I just really wanna see him go off the road right now. Murder. Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Guilty. Have you ever been angry Because a neighbor had something you wish you had, and so you harbor a little judgment in there, coveting. So on that list, we just went through about eight. How many of those did you pass? Even if you passed seven out of eight, that's still a failing score because our standard, as Jesus tells us, is that we are to be perfect as Jesus is perfect. And those are eight of the 10. There are 600 others that we are told to keep. So if you want to look at yourself and say, hey, I arrived on my own. Jesus just gave me that little nudge. You better be 600 for 600. You better be perfect in every single one of those. That is your standard. And there is no exception for 599 out of 600. It is be perfect. The minute you fail one, you have failed them all. James tells us that to break even the least of these commandments is to be guilty of breaking all of them. But we have a great high priest who sacrificed himself for us. Hebrews chapter nine tells us that. That he gave himself for us and that the blood of Jesus covers over all our sins. It's not a repetitive sacrifice. It is a one and done sacrifice. And then he entered into the throne. He went behind the veil. He approached God on our behalf. Because if you can't keep all of them, you have broken every single one of them, even if it's just one. That's what Jesus did for us. He took us who are guilty of breaking the entire law. There is not one law I can say I have upheld. I've broken them all. And yet Jesus said, while I was still a sinner— I'm gonna give my life for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So when we realize that, we go and we share our story. Our story is I was a sinner who was lost but Christ sought me out and he saved me not a result of work so that I can boast, but it was the gift of God. And because of your testimony, because you share what Christ has done, it spreads hope that others are able to see that hope. And there's a firestorm that grows from it. Look at at the testimony of this woman. She goes in verse 28, finds the village and says, come and see this man who told me everything about myself. Could this be the Christ? And then we pick up in verse 39. There were many Samaritans in that town who believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So she went out without really giving a deep sermon she went out without really hitting on the finer points of Calvinism or Arminian or whatever you want to land on. She didn't hit on the theology of it all. She said, this is who I was. This man, Jesus came and found me. He called me out. He gave me eternal life and he can do it for you too. That's my story. It said that many believed because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of her wor- his word. So they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. She started it. Jesus started it. She was faithful to share what Jesus did in her life. And then they, because of her testimony, came to see for themselves who Jesus is. She went and shared. It was a simple share. Come, meet the man who told me everything about myself. Come, meet the God who loved me in my darkness, in my deepest moments, that he gave his son for me. And he gave his son for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He ransomed us from sin and death. He gave us eternal life. We are called to go, share the good news, the gospel, Of what Jesus has done in your life, which every single person who has placed their faith in the saving work of Jesus, you have a story to share. Some have some wild stories, some have some tame stories, all have a story. I was hopeless without Christ, but Christ died to save me, and He died to save you. We have friends, we have family, we have co workers, we have neighbors who need to hear that story, the impact that Christ has had. is not getting crazy. It's sharing what's real to you, that Jesus died to save your sins, save you from your sins, and that he offered that. 2 Timothy tells us something. 2 <laughs> Timothy tells us that God desires all people to be saved. That's our hope to go and share that with our community, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that God has commanded us. And behold, he is with us, even to the ends of the age. Go, share your story of what Christ has done in your life. Father God, I thank you that every single one of us has a story to share. Because every single one of us, when it comes to who you are, is on a level playing field. No matter how low we went or how high we think we might've stayed, we are still sinners falling short of the glory of God, deserving death, but God, you saved us. While we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. And so God, I thank you so much for that. And I just pray that as we've placed our faith in you, give us the courage to go and share who you are and what you've done in our life. And God, make it real to us. And then God, if somebody's here and they're like, that's not my story. I, I have not been brought out of darkness into the marvelous light. God, you're calling them. And it simply calls for them to respond in faith to the grace that you have given them to place their lives in your hand. So God, I pray that you work in our hearts, mold us and grow us to respond to what you've called us to be. And it's in the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen.